don't give babies steak, so I'm starting with milk, something that you can digest. It's not, it's not all the nutrition that you're ever going to need for your whole entire life, but it's what you need for today to get you to the next step. We know this intuitively, especially mothers. You guys get this way more intuitively than fathers do. It takes us a little bit. Uh, we try to feed babies shrimp and stuff, and it, you don't do that. I've learned. <clears throat> anyway. People grow into maturity in Christ. We don't all start off fully sanctified, fully, you know, we don't all have it all together all the time. As soon as Jesus steps into our life and arranges, rearranges all of the price tags in our life, we don't automatically go, oh, okay, cool. I got it. Let's keep going. If he did, if that happened, then either you'd be put in such a position of leadership on the church that you would probably be worshipped because you had your life together, or God just take you home because you're not going to be useful to anybody else. <laughs> but he's saying, look, guys, when I came to you, I came to you and I gave you something that you could understand, but it's not the fullness. It's not the whole of everything that you're ever going to need for your whole life. I fed you with milk, and you're still, you still need milk. So here's, here's what I'm, I'm filling in some gaps here, but here's what I'm getting from this, is when he wrote them a letter and they wrote a letter back to him, they're trying to teach him about the things that they understand. And he's saying, you, you don't get it. Like, I, I appreciate your earnestness and you want to follow God, but, but you don't have the whole picture. I've tried to explain things very, very simply, but you're, you're, you're making connections that aren't there yet. I, I want to walk with you as we grow. And each of us has a stage of growth. Now, there's a model, and I'm not going to, oh, I skipped ahead. I'm not going to go through the whole, the whole model and explain it all to you, but I, I have, am familiar with a model of spiritual growth. I can outline it for you and put it on a diagram. Um, and it's, it's very much like a life cycle. There's uh, infants, and there's children, and there's teenagers, and then there's parents, and then there's grandparents. Like, there's a cycle for spiritual growth. But what I want you to understand, and I'm not sure how to do this, I want you to look across at each other, Grace. Like, I want you to look at the other people in the room, look at the people in the sound booth, because they don't get looked at very often. <clears throat> We're all in different places of maturity. We're all in different places in our walk with Christ. And in the same way that we're not asking two-year-old Sadie to do 12-year-old Ethan's homework, Sometimes we come to church and we're like, why are they acting like that? They're acting like they don't even, they don't even believe in Jesus. Like, that kind of hypocrisy shouldn't happen in the church. And yes, you're right, but remember that not all of us have all of the spiritual maturity at the same time. And for those of you that are spirituals, those of you who have walked and grown up, for you to turn around and say to the baby, why are you acting like a baby? Like, the baby acts like a baby, duh. I, I get it. Like, there are times, and I'm a parent, and I'm the worst parent that I know. Like, there's, there's that, that time where the baby's crying and crying, and you're like, I just want to sleep. Like, can't you just put yourself to sleep? Can't you feed yourself? Like, and you get frustrated. As a parent, you get frustrated. I understand. But for those of you who are spiritual who say, why are these people acting crazy? What's wrong with them? Your response shouldn't be, well, I'm getting out of here. It's an invitation to lean in. Oh, you don't understand? Like, let me walk with you. Let me understand how it is that you're thinking about this. You clearly have some understanding of the truth. I believe that you genuinely want to follow Jesus. So let's get in together and let's work through this together. Let's have a conversation. Let's do this peacefully. That's what the church is. The church is a hospital for a bunch of sick people that are in different stages of recovery. 
And so if you just came in out of the ICU and you're getting ready to go into rehab, the person who's like able to get in the rehab and, and do the walking shouldn't be looking at the person coming out of the ICU going, what's your deal? There are stages of maturity. And we admire a finished product, right? But God honors the process of growth. We're Americans, we like shiny things, we like things to be done. If it's gonna be done, it's gotta be done the right way. It bothers, there are some of you in here that like you're still cringing because that wall only has one coat of paint on it. We like a finished product, but God honors the process of growth. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed. They were taking their teachers and saying, These are, this is my, 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 my system. This is how I understand things. What is, and I love this. Like there's, there's such a humility in here and I hope you pick up on it because these people were saying like, Paul's my man. Like I, I follow the teachings of Paul. And Paul doesn't say, who is Paul? He says, what is Paul? Paul's not a theology. There is no theology of Paul. Uh, I might step on some toes to say this. What is John Calvin? There is no theology of John Calvin. He's a guy, and he wrote some really incredible things. But if you're saying, I'm, I go into that, and like, I'm going to beat everybody else up who doesn't think the same way that I think, like, then you're missing the whole point. And I think Calvin himself understood that a little bit better than some of the people who want to read him. There are others, too. I just, those, those are, anyway. Forgive me if you're a Calvinist. I get it. It's okay. I love you. We can all be friends. There are other people I could beat up on, but that's an easy target. <clears throat> I don't even remember where I was going to go with that. He who plants and he whose waters are one, we're all on the same team. And each will reserve his wa- receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers and you are God's field, God's building. Does that raise a question in your mind? You are God's field, God's building. Let's, let's read a little bit more. I want to flesh this out some more. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building, verse 9, and now in verse 10. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire." Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. See, when I was younger in in youth group and things like that, they would come to this passage, and and I don't think I ever really understood. You know, what what kind of things are you building into your life? Are you building with gold? Are you building with straw? Because the fire is going to test it. And I missed the whole point when I was growing up. That it's not about what I'm building into my life, it's what I'm building into other people's lives. Did you see it? 
that the work of God is people work. Right? Because he starts off, you are God's field, God's building. You are the project that God is working on. And I have laid a foundation. I taught you about Jesus Christ. I put the foundation down, set the footers and all that kind of stuff. And now there are other people who are building on it and take care about how you build other people up. Make sure that you are, one, being faithful to the foundation. It doesn't do any good if somebody's poured a solid foundation to go build right next to it on something else. But continue to build on the foundation and build with quality materials. Ask good questions. Walk in the fruit of the Spirit. And the quality of how you build other people up is what's going to be evaluated. See, I understood this to be a judgment question regarding salvation. Like, if I don't do the right kind of works, then Jesus isn't going to let me into heaven. And that's not what he's saying. Look, at the very last, read that last verse real, real careful. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Like, this isn't a salvation question. The salvation question is sealed. Like, God, if, if you've trusted Jesus for your salvation and come and trusted in him, like, that's done. But do you understand that that's the first step of the process? That's building the foundation. And that our walk afterwards is constantly One, trying to agree with Jesus on his values, and two, trying to help other people agree with Jesus on theirs. God's work is people work. So um, we did yesterday a campus cleanup, and and there were a couple of different projects that went on. I've already talked about the wall that we painted in the back. Um, And these are kind of beautification process, maintenance. We did the carpets. We did uh, a couple of other things. But that's not the work of ministry. The work that we did on this campus is important because we are building a stage on which God will do his work, which is building his people. Do you get what I'm saying? It's like, it's like an actor, um, an actor, and it doesn't matter if you have the best actors in the whole wide world, they're shooting a movie. If you don't have the right set, no one's going to believe the acting, right? No one's going to buy into the story. So the work that we do on this building isn't for the work of doing on this building. It's the work of doing on this building and on this property in order to be able to have a stage on which God can bring people to himself and help them to grow from whatever stage that they're in. That's the focus of what we're doing. And so the work of ministry that happened yesterday wasn't the wall, and it wasn't the trees, and it wasn't the office. The work of ministry that happened yesterday happened between the people that were doing the work that we had a group of people that came in and that were excited to do something, that worked together peacefully even when they disagreed with each other. That was the work of ministry. That's what I walked out of here excited about, that we had a group from Sebring who said, let's go, and they, they said, we only have an hour window. Like, we, can, we will drive three hours, but we only have an hour to spend, but we will be there and we will support you. Like, I was more encouraged by the building of those relationships and the building of the relationships between the people here than by any of the things that we see. And it's a process, right? The wall's not finished yet. We want to see the finished product. We're excited about the finished product. But God honors the process of growth.
So let's continue. There's a warning as we, as we finish up this chapter. In verse 18. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of the world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. See, he's saying if you, if you think you've got it together, if you, if you have nailed down your theology so much that you can completely describe God without any ongoing questions, then you've missed it. If you think that you're wise in this age, then consider yourself a fool. I'm, I'm not a great student. Uh, like I said with, with Kid Nation, like, it took me a long time to realize that homework was a component of my grade. I just did not understand the concept, didn't do the homework, and couldn't understand why my grades weren't good. Man, these are jokes. You guys aren't even... I'm not a great student, but as the more that I studied and the more that I got into the study of God and studying theology and things like that, I became, I became convinced that the goal of education is, one, to teach you the process of how to learn, to, to be able to go through the process of finding out the things that you want to know and to find them out in a, in a, in a healthy way, and two, to realize that you don't know very much. If, if you... And it's, it's, it's astounding, if you've never had this experience yet, um, where you go and you sign up for a class and you look at the syllabus, the place that they tell you everything that they're going to study, you go, I'm kind of familiar with all this. I don't need to, like, I'm not excited to study this. I don't know anything. Then you take the next six months and you study it, you realize, I didn't actually know very much. Like, I could read that syllabus and felt like I understand it, but reading the syllabus after you've taken the class, you're like, wow, I didn't know. So part of, the, part of the goal of education is to help us to realize that we don't know everything that we think that we know. And the more I know, the more I realize I don't know. And I have so much respect for a guy like Paul who could say, look, when I came to you, all I endeavored to know was Christ and him crucified. Like, that makes sense to me. And so he says, look, if you think you're wise in this age, make yourself a fool. Say that you don't know anything. Continue to learn. See, immaturity is not a sin. If you're saying, man, I really have been struggling with some of these distractions you've talked about, Michael, and, and Paul is saying that that's because I'm immature, like, I feel bad about that. I feel yucky. I don't want you to feel bad about that. Immaturity is not a sin. Refusal to grow is a big red flag. It's not sinful for you to, to be immature and to be on the process of learning how to grow. But to say, I have arrived, and I don't need to grow anymore, and I don't need to learn anymore, that's a huge red flag. If you think you're wise, become a fool. Do you get the difference there? See, we admire a finished product, but God honors faithfulness in the process of growth. And sometimes when we meet people, we think we understand where they're at in their story, and it takes a couple of conversations to realize, oh, you're, you're not where I thought you were. 
But grace, can we have the grace to have those conversations? When we talk to people, not to immediately come back with, well, that's not the way things are. That's wrong. But just to say, well, tell me more about how you got there. How can I, how can I help? And I'll tell you what, oftentimes people talk themselves out of stupid things. There's a lot of times that you'll say, you'll have a conversation with somebody, they'll say something real, real dumb. And if you give them the chance to keep talking about the dumb thing that they said, they'll realize that was a dumb thing. And they'll talk themselves out of it. So Grace, can we have the grace to honor people in their process? Because that's what God's doing. There isn't any of us who have arrived. So here's a couple of questions. How would you identify your stage of growth? Um, infant, child, uh, teenager, adult, or no, no, no. Infant, child, adult, parent, grandparent. Infant, child, adult, parent, grandparent. How would you identify your stage of growth? And I didn't give you a ton of information about that. I didn't want to overwhelm you with it all. Uh, if you want to learn more about it, I'd be happy to talk with you through it. But where would you identify your stage of growth? Here's another question. How would somebody else identify your stage of growth? Um, somebody asked me uh, this week, they said, how's your preaching? I said, I, I don't know. <laughs> he said, well, would, um, would somebody who's not a believer, would somebody who's not a Christian, would they be able to understand your preaching? I said, I think so. Maybe. I'm not sure. Well, then I talked to a non-believer who's listening to me preach, and she said, absolutely. Like, I get it. I don't buy it all, but I understand the words that you're saying. So there was somebody else who had a better perspective on me than I did. You've never seen your face. You've only ever seen a reflection. So how would somebody else identify your stage of growth? Have you let other people into your life enough that they could answer that question accurately? Or have you guarded your heart so much and pushed people away so that they won't know what's going on with you that they could guess, but they would not ever know? How would somebody else identify your stage of growth? And what is the focus of the work that you're doing? It's been hard for me, for Jesus to lead me to say, you need to pay attention to these facilities. I'm a maintenance person, I'm a groundskeeper, I'm a caretaker. I can do that. That's what I do at work all week long. And so when I came into the church in this role, I thought, these are problems, we need to fix them. And I'm, God, I don't want to work on the work. I want to work on the people. I want to do your work. And he's, he's just, it took Jesus months to say, Michael, this is a stage. The stage isn't ready yet. I want to do something, but we've got to get ready for it. So when I encourage us to do some more work on the campus, it's not because I want to get the campus looking spick and span so we can pat ourselves on the back and say, what a great building we have. Because my hope is that we will have to continually, to do, ma continually do maintenance on this building as it gets used and abused for God's glory. If we get to heaven and we can point to this immaculate, clean church building and say, look at how we took care of what you gave to us, then he's going to say, I gave it to you to use it. I didn't buy you a car so that you could, it could sit on a showroom floor for the rest of your life. Like, that's a, an atrocity for the kind of car I gave you. I gave you a supercar like that in order for you to drive it and drive it fast. <laughs> 
So what is the focus of the work that you're doing? There are times where we're going to have to do maintenance work on, on, on things. There are times where we're going to have to work on the campus. But the focus of our work on the campus is not the campus. It is the people. It's the relationships between each other, Grace, other churches, we're all on the same team, in order that we might continue to build relationships with our neighbors. Life-giving relationships. But it starts somewhere. And we've been given a gift, and God keeps telling me that we need to steward it well. And stewarding it well is getting it together and then using it. So how would you identify your stage of growth? How would somebody else identify your stage of growth? And what's the focus of the work you're doing? And listen, if, if you're not happy with your answers, don't feel icky about where you are in your growth. Because God honors faithfulness in the process. If God's getting in your, in your business right now, lean into that. He wants to walk with you through it. And we want to, too. So there's some connection cards in your seat. Um, I, it's helpful for me to write stuff down. So write stuff down what God's doing this morning. Um, and we can pray with you through the week or however you want to use those cards. We're going to revamp them in a couple weeks. Um, but let's take a few minutes and reflect on how God's speaking this morning before we sing together. Let's pray. Thanks again for listening. We hope you've been challenged, encouraged, and helped by God and His Word. If you want more information about Grace Church of Ocala or would like to get in contact with us, please visit our home on the internet, ocalagrace.org. And if we haven't met yet, we hope to talk with you soon.